Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we are live. Welcome to the NBA Strategy Show. It is Friday, May 6th. I am Josh Engelman. I'm joined by Adam Scher, sort of, and we are brought to you by Prize Picks. We will talk about them in a little bit, but first and foremost, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, and hit the notification bell so you know when everything goes live. Adam, how are you? Uh, physically, I've been better, um, but mentally, I'm good. I, I won a baseball tournament last night, so that felt good. Nice. Uh, big or like? Yeah, uh, 100K. Shut up. Did you really? Yeah, you didn't know that? Are you serious? Serious? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I didn't know. I won the fifteen dollar for a hundred, and I won the four dollar for six. I didn't know. I didn't see it. Is that so? That's why yesterday was awesome. I guess. <laughs> like it, it helped. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, so I, I found normally I don't like tequila, but I found the tequila that I like. So that was kind of the downturn okay. of my night. But then winning a tournament made it better. Yeah, I, I did not know. How had baseball been up until this point? Uh, up and down. I had, I already had two second-place finishes this year in the big tournament, but with how top-heavy it is, you know, it was like 20K or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah it, it had kind of been up and down. But, um, yeah, winning yesterday was nice because I had had the Vegas trip where I spent a lot more money than I had intended on. Um, and then after getting back, in the two days since I'd been back, I'd lost like 25K like right off the bat. So uh, it was nice to get a win. Right, right. Uh, oh, wait, it was a Baltimore stack? Yeah. That's, I guess, more fun, right? Yeah, it, it was a very uh, Baltimore-centric lineup. It was a five-man Baltimore stack, Manny Machado one-off, and Byron Buxton one-off against the Orioles. It was it was a yeah. pretty Baltimore-heavy stack. All righty, that'll work. That'll work. How's basketball been for you? Shitty. Okay. We haven't, uh, you and I haven't been doing a ton of shows as of late, so I'm, I'm out of the loop a bit. Yeah, I'll say, I feel like we never do shows together anymore. We really don't. I really don't do, I haven't really done a ton of shows as of late, just from travel and stuff. So slowly but surely, we're going to get back into it. Uh, I say we just start chopping it up about this slate. We've got a lot to talk about. A couple little specific things that I don't really know how we're going to talk about. So I'm ready to go if you are. Yeah, sounds good. All right, we're going to kick it off. Miami Heat, three-point favorites in Philly, 210 total. Obviously, we've got some question marks in this one. Question mark number one on the Miami side is going to be whether or not Kyle Lowry plays. Doesn't feel like they need him in this series if Joel Embiid isn't playing. But as of right now, I am assuming that Lowry is playing today now that he's been upgraded to questionable. The rest of the Heat are also questionable. So do with that what you will. 
I already sort of know what the answer to this question is, but are you assuming that Kyle Lowry plays today? Uh, yeah, for now. I mean, obviously he seems legitimately questionable. Everybody else on Miami, when they list them as questionable, I just assume they're playing every time. Um, but yeah, for now, I'm assuming Lowry plays. Okay. So the place that I want to start, because look, we can talk about, oh, I like, I think Jimmy Butler's a good play. I think Tyler Hero's a good play. Wait, these are, it's the playoffs. We talk about the same people every single day. It's not new. The piece that I want to ask you is this, because we've seen Victor Oladipo play, you know, mid-20s or higher in minutes, uh, played a little bit more of the game that Jimmy Butler was out. But for the four games that Lowry has been out, Victor Oladipo played a bunch. And in the games that Lowry played in the playoffs, Victor Oladipo did not play at all. And we did not get a ton of Caleb Martin. Do you think Victor Oladipo is staying in the rotation for Miami? Do you think it's Caleb Martin now? Do you think it's both of them? Do either of those guys matter? I don't think either one plays enough to matter for DFS. Like, I don't know if Oladipo plays 14 minutes or if Oladipo DNPs, but at 4,800, if Lowry's back, I feel pretty confident that he's not in the rotation enough to, to matter. And I feel the same way about Caleb Martin at, at 3,500. Okay. We're on the same page there. I think they're more likely to go to Martin over Oladipo if Lowry is back. Don't know if that's the case or not, but. Uh, the fact that Victor Oladipo is now 4,800 on DraftKings. If Kyle Lowry is playing today, you can go ahead and not play Victor Oladipo and feel pretty comfortable about it. Um, I assume this cuts into Gabe Vincent as well. He's 5,100 on DraftKings. I think if Kyle Lowry is back, Miami becomes pretty difficult to get to outside of like the obvious Butler, Bam, Hero plays that you're going to rotate through by default. Yeah, they become pretty ugly, I think. And I mean, even the Butler, Butler in particular, but Butler and Bam, I think are hurt a little bit by Lowry just because he's likely to cut into their assist numbers. But um, Butler's been such a high usage guy in the postseason that I still think with or without Lowry, he's going to look good at 9,300. Bam looks fine at 8,100. And then Hero with or without Lowry is kind of the same play where he's correctly priced, if not a little bit overpriced, but also just has the ability to take over any given game. So he still has a really high ceiling, even though I don't think there's a ton of value from a medium projection standpoint. Some of the pricing in this one in comparison between FanDuel and DraftKings is wild. Like Butler's 9,300 on DK. He's 10,200 on FanDuel. That is just such a big number. Bam's price is pretty normal across both sites. And to me, he's pretty clearly the best option from Miami. Uh, Max Struess is 4,200 on FanDuel, 5,300 on DK. I still like him on DraftKings. I, you know, he's getting those minutes, but very different price tags. Like him a lot more on FanDuel. I think Tucker looks all right. Who stands out to you from Miami as the best option today? Jimmy Butler. Um, six postseason okay. games now for him. 1.42 DraftKings points per minute, 28.6% usage rate, 29% assist percentage, 13% rebounding percentage, just getting it done across the board. And like I said before, if Lowry plays, I think that assist percentage comes down a bit, but it's not like Lowry's likely to cut into Butler's usage or, or rebounding. So um, I still think Butler looks like the best option to me. Yeah, I think Lowry's got like a 17% usage rate or something like that when, you know, Butler, Bam, Hero, and himself all play. Like he's not he's not soaking up a ton of usage. Maybe you think that goes up in a little bit in the playoffs, but he's not he's not going like high 20s or anything. So you prefer Butler to Bam? Yeah, I mean, I think it's debatable. Close. I think it's close. Yeah. Um, I obviously love the matchup for Bam. My, my concern is just that Bam's rates have kind of been down throughout the postseason. And I think part of that was, you know, he was dealing with the injury 
um, early in the postseason, but through seven games now, only a 19.5% usage rate. Rebounding percentage is only at 16.5%, 1.08 DraftKings points per minute. I do just have slight concerns about him because I, I do think that in the postseason frequently you see, you know, the guys that have the ball in their hands kind of take on a bigger role and you're seeing that with Jimmy Butler. So I'm not saying that Bam isn't a good play or, or doesn't have a high ceiling, but um, I, I do think that there's a chance that you just do continue to see a little bit less production on average from Bam compared to the regular season. Okay. Any specific thoughts on Struess or Tucker? No, they're kind of just there. Um, Again, assuming Lowry is in, to me, this is a six-person team. I don't really get the sense that, unless it's a just truly random lineup in 150, I don't get the sense that I would have Vincent, Oladipo, Martin, Deadman, And I don't really get the sense that I would have a ton of those six guys to begin with. This is not the best. It's weird. It's like a good spot, but it's not now that the pricing has all come up. Yeah, it's just the pricing is adjusted. Like, I agree with you. There's basically six guys that I would expect to have in, like, a lineup. Um, but Butler and Bam are really the only two that stand out to me. All right, I'll hit you with this uh, this question that we just got in chat. Yeah, I was, just, I, was, I was thinking about it while we talked. Yeah, uh, Zach Jamison says, who is the worst NBA player that could make a 16 seed win the NCAA championship? I mean, this person's going to have to be there, – there is no worst, like – it's high up the list. Yeah. When I first read it, I was thinking win a game and I was going to say like Tony Snell, like literally anybody. Like but, if you put Jimmy Butler on the 16 seed team, I don't think that they're winning the NCAA title. And I think that Jimmy Butler is probably like a top 20 NBA guy. Yeah. I mean, it's tough because when you're talking about winning the title, by the time you get to the, to the end of the tournament, you're playing against teams that have legitimate NBA players um, yeah. normally. So yeah, I, mean, I don't. I, I'm not like, sure like, that anybody makes them the favorite. Right. I mean, John Morant's what three, four years removed from college and didn't come remotely right. close to winning a championship. Like, is Giannis going to just destroy a college basketball team? Yes. Right. But like, we don't get too far down after Giannis. Like, where I think that I don't think we're turning anybody into a favorite. Yeah, I mean, I, I think yeah. It's basically, if you take one of those top guys, like. Giannis, you take LeBron, you take Kevin Durant, something like that, then they probably just carry their team. But yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. To win the championship, I, I think you can't go too far down the list. To win, like to upset a one seed, I think you can go almost the entire list. Yep, I, that I completely agree with you. Yeah, like I don't, I don't think most guys are going to be able to make that big of a difference at all. What about playoff Rondo? <laughs> Yeah, they're going to miss the tournament. They'll be in the NIT if they have Rondo instead. Is there anything else we could – I guess we should work through at least a little bit of, let's just say Lowry doesn't play again. You know, they don't want to take the risk. They're up 2-0. You know, they're already still favorites on the road. Who looks significantly better by not having Kyle Lowry play today? I mean, it makes Oladipo, Vincent, Martin all look better. I think Oladipo would be the one that I like the most just because yeah. he does give you a little bit more in the way of scoring. Um, I, I wasn't sure how many minutes really to expect from him um, last game because two games ago he played 26, 27 minutes, but he did get a few minutes of garbage time. Um, in their last game, he got 28 minutes again. Uh, he was in the closing lineup along with Jimmy Butler. So uh, I, I do like Oladipo if Lowry's out. Okay. Quite the renaissance for him. Great last game too. It's 
crazy. Quite the renaissance. Who just desperately, like, I hope he can stay healthy. I'd like to see him be a functional NBA player again. It's been a very, very long time since that's been the case. So we shall see. Yeah. Uh, What'd you say? PG County. There you go. Anybody, like, is there a big enough bump to Butler, Bam, or Hero that anything really changes for you? Like, they don't seem to be very heavily rostered to begin with. I don't get the sense that it moves a ton if Lowry stays out. Yeah, I don't think it changes too much there. Okay. It's rare that Chandre says something that I agree with, but he said the Heat don't need Lowry. This series is over. I mean, if Joel Embiid isn't playing for the Philadelphia 76ers, yes, this series is over, as it should be. That's what happens when most teams are missing their best player. Sucks. Like It's just shitty. I don't know. All right. Totally random question. You haven't thought about it. You're not going to have an answer for it, but I'm asking it anyway. At the end of the 2022-2023 season, so at the end of next year, is Joel Embiid trying to play somewhere else? Is Harden on the contract next year? James Harden has a player option for next season at 40-whatever million. Yes. With the implication that he's going to be looking for a five-year, $250 million deal in this offseason. I mean, I think either Embiid is trying to get out of town or he's kicking Harden out by the end of next year. I mean, if you can't replace Harden with something, are you dead in the water as Philly? Yeah, pretty much, I think. Yeah, it's very interesting. Very interesting. I don't know what he would do. I don't know if he... like He doesn't strike me as the guy that would ask out of Philly, but they are starting to become... He strikes me as the guy that will talk his way out as opposed to asking out. Yeah. He's going to be, it's going to be very interesting. Uh, GQ, uh, he's not expected to take the option. James Harden has, should have no interest in picking up a one-year contract. James Harden wants to sign a max deal. Philly should not want to give him a max deal, but there is no expectation from James Harden that he is going to opt into a one-year deal. If he's opting into a one-year deal, they're extending him on that year. Right. That's what I was thinking. Like, you don't you don't opt in without an understanding that you're signing a long-term deal. The opt-in means that he's coming back to Philly on a handshake deal for the future. James Harden's not leaving two hundred million dollars of guaranteed money on the table. That's not how this works. He will opt out of that contract and sign a max deal somewhere else before he would ever just play on a one-year 40. There would be a lot of disappointed strippers if he leaves that money on the table. (laughs) For sure. Yeah, that's just... he's. If he opts into the player option, you can assume, without question, that James Harden is re-signing with the Philadelphia 76ers on an extension for a long-term number. He doesn't opt in otherwise. There's no incentive. You take the money the year before. Anything else you want to touch on from Miami? Nope. Yeah, I don't have anything either. So let's go ahead and talk about the schedule for the rest of the day. Coming up immediately after this, 11 a.m., we've got the MLB strategy show. We've got, I wrote MLB strategy twice, but I assume that the 345 show is MLB live before lock. Uh, Feels like a safe guess for me. 5 p.m., NBA Deeper Dive. Adam will be back for that one with Lafayette. And then at 6 p.m., 
NBA Live Before Lock. So we've got four more shows going today. The truth. Pretty sure that uh, James Harden's not going to go to Utah. It doesn't strike me as the type of place that he wants to hang out uh, six months out of the year. <laughs> I think if James Harden were going to skip out on any one individual team, the Utah Jazz would be that team. <laughs> I don't think that they have the same sort of alignment in uh, personal virtues. God, how miserable would he be in Utah? Oh, it would be insane. He'd be taking on like 25 wives. It'd be incredible. I, I think like halfway through the season, he would just refuse to play home games and just camp out in like Miami yeah. or something. Yeah, he'd just be he'd be just flying from like road city to road right. city, <laughs> flying in early. All righty, free content for today: NBA main slate ownership, MLB player rankings, NHL player rankings, and UFC pro plays. All of those pieces of content today are free at awesomeo.com. So make sure you're checking them out. And 270 viewers right now, 47 likes. I don't think that that's nearly enough. If you haven't done it yet, please hit the like button. It helps us out a ton. Well, now we go to Philly. I'm assuming that Embiid's not playing today. Do you think that he's going to get ruled in today? I mean, he's still listed as out. So I think you kind of have to assume he's not playing. Um, it wouldn't be surprising at all if in three hours we get the Embiid upgraded to questionable notification. Yeah. All right. Chandra is asking a question again, and I hate the question, but I, I do want to hit you with it because I think that the answer is twofold. I mean, I don't, I don't even know the answer. I don't pay enough attention to actual basketball. Is Harden good anymore is the question. And the answer is unquestionably yes. He is still a very, very, very good offensive player we just can't compare him to himself three years ago that's really the problem here yeah i think that's a fair answer like that's just james harden is not the james harden you remember in houston he is still a high-end offensive basketball player his passing is exceptional his creativity is exceptional he can still get it done he's not going to miss when he goes to the free throw line like there are things that he still has that are really good is he worse sure could he be better if he's slightly healthier? Maybe. But we can't act like he's just suddenly Dennis Schroeder now. That's insane. He's he's still really good. He's just going to be massively overpaid. Right. Well, we go to Philly. And I think the big piece that we want to talk about here is the rotation once again. Because there are pieces from the last game that we need to look into. One, Shake Milton did not play. Two, Paul Millsap did not play. Now, Millsap legitimately didn't play. Milton played garbage run for a minute and a half. Right. Are we to assume that those gentlemen are not in the rotation? Milton had a 92% usage rate. That's not bad, man. That's not bad. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the assumption I'm going to go with. I mean, maybe I'll give Milton a handful of minutes or something just so that I don't have to give a ton to somebody else. But we did basically just see Moss replace Milton's minutes. So that was my assumption here. I went to the nine men that we saw before makes the minutes pretty interesting. There's a ton of ownership going to Philly at this point. Maxi is heavily owned on both sites. James Harden is 8,700 on FanDuel projected for 70% ownership. He's 9K on DraftKings projected for 56% ownership. Paul Reed on FanDuel is still 4,400. He's projected for 50% ownership. Harris is projected for 40% ownership. Hell, Danny Green's close to 30. 
Do you see it the same way? Are we just sort of loading up on the starting five for Philly? Well, starting four plus whatever Paul Reed ends up being. I don't, I mean, I, I get it. I don't think I'm quite as high as the field. Uh, the concerns that I have are with Harden, I, I think clearly he's underpriced at 9K. But the concerns that I have are that Miami's doing a pretty good job of, of keeping his usage down and, and limiting what he can do. We saw them do the same thing to Trey Young in, in the first series. In the two games in this series, you know, with him beat out, Harden still only has a 25% usage rate, 30% assist percentage. Um, he's averaged 0.93 DraftKings points per minute. So, like, I think he is underpriced for his ceiling. But at the same time, I, I think that you have to keep in mind that Miami's going to force Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey to beat them. They're not going to let James Harden just come in there and, and win a game for Philadelphia. So, um, at that ownership, I think that's a little bit of a concern. But, again, still underpriced. Uh, similarly, Harris and Maxey should play a lot of minutes. Uh, you should see... Plenty of usage for them. Maxi 28% last game in 44 minutes. Harris played 30, almost 39 minutes. Um, so I like both of those guys at, at their respective prices. So I guess the answer is those three. Like, I like all three. Um, I do just think it's worth keeping in mind that I think Miami's going to try and force somebody other than James Harden to beat them and, and do what they can to keep the ball out of Harden's hands. As far as Reed and Green go, I don't really love them at these price points. Um, Danny Green at 4,100, like, yeah, it's a decent value. He's likely to give you around 30 minutes or so. But um, I, I'm not really in love with that price tag. And then Paul Reed at 4,900, he's a good enough point-per-minute guy where if he does get 24, 25 minutes, he's likely to do okay. Um, but you do still have the concerns where, one, he is playing Miami. It's a slow slow team. It's a good defensive team. And, two, he fouls a lot. Like, just because – Maybe they would like to give him 24 or 25 minutes like they did last game. Uh, doesn't mean he's going to be able to play it. So I think there's a lot of volatility there at a pretty high price tag. It is a scary spot. So this to you, like on the surface, if Locke were coming up, and I, I'm not like painting you into any corner here, but this is probably a spot where you would be a little bit lighter and you would be a little bit heavier on some, you know, better opposite style leverage plays probably in the Phoenix-Dallas game, given what we've looked at so far. I think so. Um, I, I think maybe I'd be a little heavier on Harris and Maxi. Uh, right now, looking at the boom-bust tool, we have them both going a, a little bit under-owned, Harden's ownership about where it should be. Um, but again, I kind of just, I don't know, I think I'm a little bit lighter on Harden's projection. Okay. Um, you know, but uh, again, like I think he's he's fine. He's a good play. He's 9K. But um, I, I do think I would be under the 56% on Harden. I think I would get more Harris and Maxi. It is a it's a wild price tag and wild ownership for Harden at this point because we've got well let, let's just do the comparison point. Luke is on an island at eleven six, and uh, he's going to be projected you know ten points higher or more probably than any other player on this slate. So I'm not going to touch on him for a second. You can pay out for Luca. Jimmy Butler is ninety three hundred. James Harden is nine k. Uh, that's a fifty six to eighteen percent ratio in expected ownership. Do you yeah, see it, Harden and Butler significantly differently? I, I think they're pretty similar. Um, yeah, if you're, I have if them you're dramatically go, different from a projection standpoint. I'm curious I, to I, know, know where you end up, like where you end up landing. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know yet where I'm at, but um, I, I think I'll end up with them within you know a couple points of each other. I've got like a ten point gap. I will not. And, and if if Harden's going to pull fifty six percent and Butler's going to be at eighteen, I, I like getting the Butler. Yeah, I'd like to say the same. I don't like I've got Harden at 1.22. Uh, maybe I'm over projecting the usage a bit at 29%. I, I know that it's been lower in the playoffs without Embiid on the floor. 
I, I, uh, maybe it's just like, I just have that feeling that at some point in time, it's got to creep up a little bit higher than where it's been. Maybe, maybe that's not the case. I tried to be a little bit pessimistic for it, but yeah, I've, I've got a pretty sizable gap. Where do we have it actually? Uh, we have Harden at 51. We have Butler at 41. So in line with you. Okay. I think I'm likely to end up around like a couple points lower on Harden and several points higher on Butler. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I've got 1.22 for Harden and then I've got 1.13 for Butler, two less minutes for Butler as well in comparison to Harden. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Okay. Now it's just a tricky spot right now. Um, Let's talk through the bottom of this rotation. Uh, are you expecting any more minutes out of George Niang? They had some uh, some luck going to a Niang small ball five lineup. That might be their only option at this point. Is Doc going to continue to be a complete moron running out DeAndre Jordan? Um, does Korkmaz get a little bit of extra run? Shooting guard, small forward, 3,400. Feels like... As weird as it sounds, feels like one of those three guys is probably worth a little bit more of a look just in case that's the change that they're trying to make. Yeah. Um, it's the, the thing is, I don't really know where to go. I mean, Niang only played 10 minutes last game. Moss hadn't really been in the rotation in game one outside of garbage time. He picked up 18 minutes last game. So, you know, I don't know. Does, does Moss get a bunch of minutes again um, at 3,400? You know, it's if you tell me he's playing 18 minutes, I don't mind taking some shots there, even though I'm not going to be confident in it. Um, same thing with Niang at 3,700. Like, if I knew he was going to play 22 minutes, I wouldn't mind getting a little bit, but he did just play 10 minutes last game. You got more playing time for Thibel last game as well. So I think it's pretty tough to really feel confident in any of these other pieces, but I wouldn't be surprised if one of them does end up having a decent game. Yeah, that that feels like a spot where you can get decent value, a sub 4K price tag with options where these one of these guys steps into 20, 22 minutes. Like if you told me Niang played 24 tonight, I understand that he didn't play a ton in the game too. I could see that happening where they go to DeAndre Jordan for one rotation early. He gets beat like a drum like he normally does. And they just say, okay, we need to go five out here. Because they were playing Harris at the five. They were playing Niang at the five. It's tricky. Uh, Good good call from Robert Amorosa. I didn't even notice it. Niang fouled out in 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, it's not going to be great for him. I mean, he's not. The problem, I was just listening to. I I just meant that, like, the reason he played 10 minutes was because he fouled out, not because. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I was listening to the Zach Lowe podcast before, and they talked about it a little bit. The problem for Philly is that they, when they go, they, they can't just go small. They have to go medium, the the Niang at the five, because as they go smaller, they're not necessarily bringing more shooting onto the floor because they basically are forcing Matisse Thibel to have to play more at that point. And then you're not really creating anything by going small any longer. So they don't really have the personnel to be able to pull it off. Yeah, and Corkmoss uh, did sub in before Niang last game. Um... In, in both halves. Thibel was before both of them. Thibel and Reed came in at the same time as the first guys off the bench. What what do you see as like the potential, or do you see a potential big change for Philly that could be exploited in a in a GPP style contest? Is that is that just hoping know. Paul Reed gets bigger minutes? Is that the biggest wild card for Philly? Or is it like yeah, a cork moss? I, I think that's probably the biggest wild card, but at his price. You know, he, he's kind of priced for it. Um, and it's hard to think he gets more than like 25 minutes. Um, but yeah, I mean, Korkmaz, maybe. Like, he he's at least a shooter and, you know, potentially gets hot and picks up more minutes. Okay. 
Do you think we get back to Shake Milton? Do you think we see Paul Millsap here? Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are either of those two guys guys you'd be willing to take shots at? You know, Millsap, I don't even know his price. Milton's 3500 no, I don't think I'll play either one. Like, I'm not expecting Millsap to play. Um, I'm assuming that Moss is ahead of Milton, but, you know, Milton, I guess, could play, but I don't I don't anticipate rostering him. Theo says uh, Sixers should have signed Cantor instead of Jordan. No, they shouldn't have. Enos Cantor has been not able to play in the playoffs for six or seven years now. It's not getting better as the days go by. Um, he is not built for this. <laughs> Neither one of those guys are going to be worth a shit, especially against Miami, where uh, Cantor's size isn't really going to be helping you against Bam in a pick and roll. You're going to get beat over and over and over and over again. Anything else here for Philly? Nope. Uh, Theo, he absolutely can be worse. That's Look, if Enos Freedom was uh, Jim Smith, and he was from Kenosha, Wisconsin, he's still not playing in the playoffs and in the NBA. It's not a turkey thing, I promise. It's just uh, he can't play in the playoffs thing. All righty. We got to talk a little bit. I got a promo code for you guys, and it is for just an absolute star. You hear it as Luka. You think Doncic, star score for the Dallas Mavericks. I think newly minted son of former awesome.com Chris Spags. Either way you want to look at it, whether we've got a promo code for Luka Doncic or Spags' new son, uh, that is the promo code. It is Luka. $7 for seven full days of Awesome Plus Platinum. That is 77% off our normal weekly price when you use that promo code. That gives you access to everything that we have. Player projections ownership projections, boom bust tool, lineup builder, and more. We're slowly getting towards the end of the NBA season. We're slowly going to be looking at MLB a little bit more frequently. Plus, we've got F1 and USFL, tennis, soccer, basically every sport out there that you could want to get to. That'll be $7 for seven days. So make sure you're using that Luca promo code. This, um, this does not include Fantasy Cruncher. That is an add-on, but you could add that at checkout. So... Don't sleep on that. Make sure you check that out. Stop guessing, start winning. Join Osmo Plus today. Uh, v McHugh, Embiid has been ruled out on FanDuel. I'm going to do you a favor right now. Don't ever look at that. <laughs> uh, because that information is completely meaningless. So don't ever look at any designation of anything from FanDuel or DraftKings. Moving it on to game number two. Google Google NBA injury report. You can get the actual injury report updated every hour. Yes. Much better. Much better. The Phoenix Suns are one-point favorites, or at least they were one-point favorites in Dallas. 219 total. This is basically, uh, at least for Phoenix, this is just the opposite of Miami. Well, actually, for Phoenix and for Dallas, this is basically just the opposite of Miami and Philadelphia. 
We know who's playing. Uh, there's not really any ambiguity in it. We know their rotations. Barring any sort of aggressive foul trouble, we know who's playing unless we get Aiton and JaVale in foul trouble and we get a little bit of a Bismack Biombo game. Ownership is flat. 30, 33, 28, 26, 26. A couple guys in the 20s. Like We, we just know Phoenix. I want to go to Bridges. I want to go to Booker. I probably want to go to a little bit of Cam Johnson, but maybe I'm a little bit heavy there. Who are your priorities from the Phoenix Suns today? Devin Booker. Um, Can't say I disagree there. Yeah, I mean, number one is just Booker. Uh, 8500 I think, is still too cheap of a price tag. Only played like 35 minutes last game, but did lose like four or five minutes, four minutes uh, to garbage time. If this game is competitive, you're probably getting 38 to 40 minutes from Booker, around the 30% usage rate. Um, just, I think, still a little bit underpriced here. We did get Chris Paul's price dropping a little bit while Devin Booker's increased. So um, I think it's closer to correct now, whereas last game, Paul was more expensive than Booker. Um, but I still think Booker looks looks a little bit better, even at $200 more. I don't mind Paul in tournaments. Um, Aiton was in massive foul trouble last game. Just right off the last game, I mean, he still had a 26% usage rate, which is good to see. He had a 30% usage rate in game one. Um, but from a playing time standpoint, you can just totally ignore last game. He was in massive foul trouble the entire time. Um, assuming he's not in foul trouble here, you can expect 33, 34 minutes. It makes him look good at 7,600. Yeah, GQ saying, uh, I'm lower on eight, and he hasn't closed the first two games. That is because of the script of the first two games in foul trouble. DeAndre Ayton as long as he is not in aggressive foul trouble, we'll close every single game for the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. And, and as long as we're not talking about garbage time. like Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Biombo closed last game, technically. DeAndre Ayton will always be in the Phoenix Suns closing lineup if the game is close and he can be on the floor. There's no way around this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I like this spot for Ayton. Like, uh, yeah. I think... I gave him 34 minutes. Like, right, same boat. He's like, in there. It's not like he's sneaky and that, you know, people aren't going to roster him or anything, but I just think that his ownership is going to naturally end up being lower than it otherwise would because people overreact so much to playoff games. Um, right now, 26% ownership going to Aiden. I, I think that, you know, if he had happened to play well last game and not be in foul trouble, you're probably looking at like, you know, 35, 40%. Who do you prefer, Bam Adebayo or DeAndre Aiden? Bam is $500 more expensive. Uh, who's, what's Bam's ownership? 30 Basically the same. Yeah. Um, slight lean toward Aiden. Yeah, same for me. No, like 55-45 as far as I'm concerned. That There's not a huge difference there. The extra salary it probably offsets the slightly lower ceiling for Aiden. Um, what do we do if – what do we do with someone like Chris Paul? Like, does he just miss a shot at some point? <laughs> I mean, he's shooting like 60-something percent from two. <laughs> it's They don't miss. They just yeah. don't miss. They've shot 50% or higher in every single game in the playoffs this year. Even when yeah. they're bad, they're good. He, he, yeah, and Paul in particular. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of, to me, Booker and Aiton stand out, and then Paul, Bridges, Crowder, Johnson, like all those guys are just like priced where they should be. They're, they're certainly still playable on a two-game slate. They just don't stand out to me as much as Booker and Aiton do. You can't really play Paul at 9,700 on FanDuel, can you? No, that seems... I mean, I mean, it's a two-game slate. Sure, you can. Sure, but. sure. Yeah, like he's he's working his way into lineups no matter what. But that that is a non-priority price tag. Yeah, I'm not seeking him out at 9,700. Yeah, that's 23% ownership on Fandle. Like to me, that's too high. He, if he's in a quarter of lineups, I think he has a hard time paying. Like Devin Booker, $700 cheaper than that. Yeah, but Booker should not be less expensive than Paul. Um, shouldn't really be the same price as Paul. 
So I, uh, I greatly prefer Devin Booker to Chris Paul on FanDuel. What do we do with the bench here? Crowder, well, Crowder's not necessarily bench, but, you know, non-star type players. Crowder, Cam Johnson, campaign. Is there anything there that stands out to you? The price tags stand out just because they do have productive guys that come off the bench, particularly with, uh, well, Cam Johnson, but he's a little bit more expensive. Um, but Payne and McGee, where, you know, Payne is 3,500, McGee is 3,200. Payne only played 12 minutes, including garbage time last game. That's the downside. Um, previously, he played 19 minutes. Like, if you get 19 minutes from him at 3,500, you're probably going to be pretty happy with the result. If you get 12 minutes, you're probably not. And the same goes for McGee, who only played 10 minutes. He was in foul trouble as well. Um, that's why you got minutes, so many minutes from Biombo. But if you get, you know, let's say Aiton plays 34 minutes, McGee plays 14. In 14 minutes, McGee's likely to give you a pretty productive score for 3200 so i do have some interest in Payne and mcgee just because they they are so inexpensive um neither one's getting crazy ownership right now mcgee at 22 percent Payne at 15 um I, I don't mind either one shaman at 3k i think is a little bit more difficult of a sell just because he's not likely to play a ton of minutes either but he's also not as good a point per minute guy as Payne or mcgee are okay thomas wood i'm thinking about blowouts or cleaver foul trouble and i like mcgee this game is a coin flip. Uh, if you're thinking about this game is the least likely game to be a blowout as any game that you could possibly find based on the line of this game. So maybe don't assume there's a blowout in what is essentially a pick'em. That's a bit of a stretch. What do we do with someone like, like how do you end up managing a guy like Bridges who's live to play 46 minutes every single game if he needs to? Last guy in type guy, like he's still not a good point per minute player. I think he's priced pretty much correctly, but he is a Ford, which is typically a little bit weaker position. Um, and he, he's, you know, at, at 6K, it's just a useful price point to kind of round out lineups. So yeah. it's not like I'm going in like targeting Mikel Bridges and, and saying, you know, like, oh yeah, Bridges is great. I'm going to, you know, play tons of Bridges today. But there's just going to be a lot of lineups, I think, where you're like, okay, well, I got, you know, these guys that I really like and, and everything looks good. Now I have 6K left and cool, I'll put in Bridges. Does 22% ownership on JaVale McGee seem excessive to you? Yes and no. Um, like, it's, it seems high for somebody that could conceivably play 10 or 11 minutes. But also, I get I get it. Like, there's not there's not $3,200 alternatives that average one and a quarter fantasy points per minute. Yeah. Any thoughts on having him with Aiton? I'm assuming you're – like, it's on a two-gamer, you don't mind it, but it's not necessarily, like, best practices. Yeah, I mean, it's not – it's not ideal, but I'm certainly not setting a rule against it. And the reason is just because of how really how inexpensive they both are, but how inexpensive McGee is in particular. McGee can just play his projected minutes, you know, play 12, 13, 14 minutes, give you 17, 18 DraftKings points at 3,200. And on a two-game slate, you're going to be happy with that. And then that has no impact whatsoever on Aiden. Like McGee's ceiling game is bad for Aiden because it probably means he plays more minutes. But if McGee just hits his medium projection, he's – a good value. He showed up in my Sims slightly higher than that ownership number. So I wanted to get your thoughts there, but yeah, I mean, I have his target score like around 16. You don't need too much out of a $3,200 guy on a day like today. Yeah. Especially um, when you have, Luke or you have Butler, you have Harden, you know, there you have uh Booker. There's, yeah. you know, just, just paying down at that spot. And it's also not like it's a, a super deep center slate. You have Bam, you have Aiton. Don't care about Deandre Jordan. Don't care about Dwight Powell. Uh, Kleba's a Ford, Reed's a Ford. So it's not like you have massive opportunity costs at the center position. 
Yeah. And I mean, there's such a drop off in fantasy points today. You have Luca obviously on an Island, probably 10 plus points ahead of everybody else. We talked about it a little bit before, but Harden seems to be about 10 points ahead of most other guys, you know, maybe eight on Booker, whatever we want to say that that is. Everybody else is in the low 40s or in the high 30s. So, like, after you get sort of guarantee yourself at least one of those high-priced guys, like, you can make a case. There's not a, there's not a ton of value out there that's super necessary, but to unlock the Lucas, you end up getting to the JaVales, and I think that's totally fine. I probably had Cam Johnson over-projected, so I knocked his minutes back a little bit. He looks a little bit more reasonable now. Anything else we want to touch on from Phoenix? No, I think that's it. Um, well, let's close it out with Dallas. Nothing new really going on for this Mavs team. I, I don't think they're in a really good spot. I don't know if they've got the ability to get this one done. We saw Josh Green play a little bit more in the first half. That didn't seem to matter. This one got ugly. Uh, late 23 to two run in the middle of the fourth quarter for the Suns in game two, completely put this one away. We'll start with Luca 11, five on FanDuel 11, six on DraftKings. Is he just pretty easily the best play of the day from a like raw points perspective? Yeah, w- without a doubt. Um, whereas, you know, I kind of disagree on Harden's projection with you and apparently everybody else um, right there with Luca. I mean, absolutely love him. Yeah. Uh, He's just really, really good. Uh, 1.57 DraftKings points per minute in the postseason so far. Um, 39.6% usage rate, 37.5% assist percentage. And yeah, I mean, he, he just, he rebounds well. Like there's nothing negative from a fantasy standpoint to say about Luca. The only negative is that uh, Phoenix is picking him apart defensively, but it's not like Dallas is going to say like, oh, well, we're going to take Luca out because of defense. <laughs> yeah, no, he's not coming off the floor. I'm really curious to see if they just run him through the washing machine again and put him in every action every time like they did in the second half, which was just tough to watch too. And they like, they couldn't miss either. Even like, even the tough shots were going, um, I, I they're going to probably throw some junk ball at him for sure. I, I don't know what the answer is going to be to try to preserve Luca a little bit. Maybe he does a little bit more off ball, uh, on the offensive side, but still projecting big minutes at a Luca projecting big, um, projecting big, everything projecting big, everything. Why what do we do with the rest of this team? off the ball? He can't shoot. Yeah. It's uh, when I say that he's going to play off the ball, I don't think it's to improve Dallas. I think it's to maintain his like wind. Um, right. But like, yeah, he's not a natural yeah, I, I was replying to Sean Dre that said Luca needs to reduce his usage and play off the ball some. Yeah, no. I mean, he the only reason that needs to happen is if he's getting put in every action. He's not going to be able to be active on both sides. But uh, to run their offense at best, the ball should be in his hands. There's a ton of ownership coming to this team. Dorian Finney-Smith, uh, Luca, Brunson, Dinwiddie, Kleber, all like low 30s to mid 30s, even Reggie Bullock getting a little bit of love. If we're ignoring Luca here, who is your preferred Dallas option? Or do you have more than one? It kind of just outside of Luca, I think kind of just looked the same. Um, I, I sort of feel the same way about Brunson, Finney Smith, Bullock, as I did about Mikel Bridges, where they're, they're going to end up in lineups just because they're at a price point that's pretty useful, you know, in rounding out lineups, but I'm not like going in saying, you're like, oh yeah, I expect to have tons of Brunson. Like, I think he's a great player. I think Finney Smith's a great play. I think they're all solid. They're all priced pretty much correctly. And they're going to be pretty useful just to, to get into lineups, but there's not one individually that really stands out to me. Um, Finney Smith and Bullock both should play a ton of minutes. 
neither one's a great point per minute guy, but they're cheap enough where just playing, you know, 40 minutes makes them look decent. Brunson is a 0.9 to one fantasy point per minute guy. Uh, he's not played as much as I expected. He, he did have four fouls again last game. Um, game one, he was in foul trouble. I think if he can avoid fouls, you're likely looking at around 34 minutes if the game's competitive. Um, so I do think that it's at that falling price tag at 6,400, there is a little bit of value there. I'm curious about the ownership to Kleber. It feels a little high, 33%, 4,400. I mean, what did he play last game? 28. Yeah, it might just be a little bit light from a minute's perspective. Powell was in foul trouble, though. Well, that's that's a bigger question here is, are they even trying to keep Dwight Powell out there? He has been a massive liability defensively. They've been so big about tying Dwight Powell's minutes to Luca when he's out there for sure, but I'm not sure if this is a Dwight Powell series anymore. I think we kind of do need to see a little bit more Maxi, potentially more uh, Dorian Finney-Smith at the five type options. So I don't know if Powell is long for the rest of this series. I don't know if he's giving them what they need. Uh, if he's just going to get beat over and over again defensively, maybe that becomes a little bit more Bertans and you just try to change if, you know, Bertans is going to get beat defensively too. At least you get that stretch five look out there if you need it. Um, like, I'm not sure Powell is my guy today. Yeah, same boat. Um, I, like, I think it's interesting because we haven't, we haven't seen the game where Powell does play more minutes. Um, yeah. I, I'm not saying that I think it's likely, but at 3,600, it's not the worst spot to gamble and just like hope that it happens. But again, I don't think it's particularly likely to happen. Um, he's not a great point per minute guy. It's it's certainly a risky play. I think it's kind of similar to like going to DeAndre Jordan if Jordan still starts. It's like, yeah. you know, he's probably not going to get those minutes, but if he did, then cool. Um, the the bigger question with Kleba's minutes to me is, you know, does he play 28 plus minutes again? Or do they run more small lineups? And it is worth noting, Powell did come back in. Uh, Powell was in the closing lineup up until garbage time. They were going Doncic, Brunson, Finney Smith, Powell, Bullock. But you could, I think, in a lot of, like, it, if the game's competitive down the stretch, you could very easily get Dinwiddie in that lineup instead of Powell. Absolutely. Okay, well, trying to think of something else that we could touch on here. Yeah, I don't love that ownership on Powell. That's something that I, I would like to actively try to avoid. Dinwiddie is the guy that's popping most to me relative to – well, actually, Reggie Bullock is the guy that's popping most to me relative to current ownership. But at 5,400, you need one of those like, oh, Reggie Bullock played 46 minutes today, and even then, who the hell knows? So who? which team do you expect to be your most exposed team? Um, so in terms of – number of players or in terms of like I have Luca in every lineup kind of thing. Probably aggregate ownership. Yeah. Um probably Phoenix. Either Phoenix or Philly. So you think you'd be a little light on Dallas there? Yeah, I mean I actually that's true. I guess I just end up with not not like necessarily a ton of any individual guy, but like a ton of Luca and then just Good amounts of Brunson, Finney Smith, and Woody Bullock, Kaliba. Yeah, so I guess you're right. It probably is Dallas. <sighs> like, oh, King, King it, Reed it's, it's, wrong it's, once again. It's weird because, like, Dallas only has one guy that I really like, 
but they also have like five other guys that look fine. Whereas other teams have, you know, two or three guys that I really like, but then it's, I don't really like, you know, much else. Yeah. What did you say? I don't know. I'm just, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get a feel for this slate and I can't like, what does a lineup construction without Luka Doncic look like today? Because if he's not in a lineup, I feel like salary is really easy. If, if Luke is not in the, I mean, you're probably going like Harden, Booker, Aiton or something. Yeah, um, you probably, well, you probably got two of three of Butler, Harden, Booker right out of the gate. Yeah. So like, I just, I, I just took Luca out of the player pool to see what they look like. Um, yeah. I mean, Maxi, Harden, Harris, Booker, uh, Maxi, Harden, Harris, Brunson, and Bridges. Who's the best value play on this slate today? I mean, Luca, um, in terms of being on their own or not on their own, uh, underpriced, but in terms of cheap guys, I mean, F- Finney Smith at 5,500. Yeah. Kleba at 4,400. As far as really cheap guys, McGee at 3,200 and just hope for the best. It's Crowder at 5K is fine. Yeah. There's not a lot. Like, I mean, there's not really anything sub 4K. You've got the Danny Green, Kleba, Paul Reeds, and the fours that look all right. It's definitely a slate where the guys that I would say are the most underpriced are all like 7K plus. That I agree with. And it's kind of, it's similar to what we had the last time too, where, um, it's not that there's one like sub or, you know, 5,500 or less guy that I'm pointing to and saying like, oh, that's a crazy price tag. It's that there are an abundance of them. So like Luca is going to be optimal a very, very high percentage of the time because somebody out of these sub 5K guys is going to have a good game. It's not a slate where I can point to one or two of them and say like, oh yeah, these are the guys that are the clear cut top values. But when you take, you know, Finney Smith, Bullock, uh, Crowder, Cam Johnson, you know, any number of other guys like uh, as a Niang, Caleb Martin, right. Korkmaz, one of those guys pops off for 20 and it's just like, okay, we just unlock Luca by default. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, Dinwiddie, uh, Kleba, Reed, Tucker, like any of green, you know, I, I'm not pointing to any one of those guys and saying, oh yeah, I love this play. But as a collective, as a group, one or two of those guys are going to do well and make it so that, you know, the winning lineups have Luca probably assuming Luca doesn't suck. Final thought here, and it's sort of what we're talking about right now is in, sort of independent of this slate. Does that make you, when, when you see a situation like that, where we see, you know, we've got like five, six sub 4K guys that all look pretty similar. Niang, Caleb Martin, you know, Korkmaz, Thibel, JaVale, whatever you want to do in there. Landry Shaman, if that's your cup of tea. Would you rather have like a little bit of most of those guys or sort of draw a line in the sand and pick one or two as your representatives, as your value options and hope to be right. I was not listening to your question. Perfect. I'll run that back again. So if we're talking about these sub 4k guys, however many you want to say, or like you wouldn't be surprised if they ended up in an optimal, they got their minutes, they got their value. Would you rather cast a wide net there, have like, you know, 5% of like four or five of them, or would you rather turn six of those guys into one or two and be just heavy in two separate spots it kind of depends what ownership does um 
if ownership ends up being spread out across them, I probably will end up doing the same. If it's a situation where like one or two of those guys are getting ignored, then I probably just end up going pretty heavy on those guys. Uh, you know, assuming it's somebody that I feel, you know, that, that looks relatively good. Like I'm not saying, you know, uh, oh, everybody's ignoring Shake Milton and I'm going to just play a ton and hope that he plays. Like, but, but if, you know, hypothetically, if, uh, you know, JaVale McGee is not getting much ownership and everybody else is getting similar ownership, then I'm just going to jam a bunch of McGee or, uh, you know, same thing with like Cameron Payne where I'm not super confident, but if, if one of them just is getting overlooked by the field, I'll just jam them in and, and hope that it works out. Um, but I think what's more likely is that you're going to get pretty much correct ownership across those guys. And so there's not, to me, in that, in that kind of situation, there's not a huge edge to just like saying, oh, I'll pick this one or these two and, and hope that I'm right. Because uh, as long as ownership is more or less correct on them, um, there's no real advantage there. Okay. Well, anything else you want to touch on? I think we're pretty much good here. Yeah, uh, just you know, keep an eye on Kyle Lowry's status. Keep an eye on if Embiid gets upgraded. But uh, obviously, we will have more information on that when we come back for the deeper dive, or when I come back for the deeper dive. Guys, we like Luca doesn't Luca isn't overrated because the Suns are beating Dallas like they're supposed to, and Phoenix isn't exposing a bad Dallas team. Phoenix is just really good. We need to stop acting like Phoenix wasn't the runaway best team in the regular season in the finals last year and also exceptional still. Like, they're just really, really good. Not everything has to be in an indictment on somebody else. Right. Luke is exceptional. It's not really up for debate at all. It just so happens that the Phoenix Suns are, we're going to look weak. Like, it, we're live to look back at this Phoenix Suns team as one of the best teams that we've ever seen in the NBA if they win the NBA title. Yeah, it's weird how they get, like, just, I guess just because it's, like, Phoenix and it's, you know, kind of a weird market and they're normally not that good. But it's, like, they just get completely overlooked, even though they are really, really, really good. Right. Like, if they run through Dallas here, I think they absolutely annihilate Memphis if Memphis has, happens to get through. We'll see what happens with Golden Phoenix, State. But I would Golden State will be good. Should be good. I, sure. I would expect it to be. I mean, we get, we'll we litigate that in the future. If the Suns win the NBA title, coming off of a year where they lost the NBA title last year and ran through this NBA season, like we're, just, we're not looking at them correctly. Or at least, you know, a large majority of people aren't looking at them correctly. This is going to be a legendary team if they finish the job. We'll see. Luke is great. Paul and Booker clowned his ass in the fourth. Yeah, like it's just, that's not... 29 other teams would happily trade for him <laughs> if they could. Wouldn't even bat an eye at it. Anyway, let's get out of here. MLB strategy show coming up next at 11 o'clock. Adam is back for the deeper dive later today. Do you still have uh, other videos coming out? Uh, yeah, ter uh, MLB tournament videos will be out around one-ish. There it is, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Hit the like button. And once again, shout out to Prize Picks for being the presenting sponsor of this video. Hit the link in the description so that you can get one free month of Osmo Plus Platinum plus a little bit of a deposit bonus. Good luck, everybody. We'll talk to you later.